0: Gotta tell you, just a quick story. I, I titled this lesson "Remember," and uh, I didn't know that uh, it was going to take on a different meaning. <laughs> it doesn't; it's not what I'm going to share. But uh, the way I'm I'm going to share that this morning, I was working on this. God had kind of put this in my heart a couple of weeks ago, and uh, so I've been kind of putting together the what I thought God wanted me to share this morning about uh, this this message. And so I was working on it last night and uh, on my iPad and I was going kind of trying to refine and I, I uh, hit the button and I deleted every stinking bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. And I to Becky later, I said, I don't think God wanted me to say... He wasn't happy with what I was going to say. So I guess I needed to maybe... Uh, listen a little closer to what he wanted me to share today. And so we'll, uh, we'll hopefully that the Lord will speak to me today and and I will share the message that he wanted me to share. If you would, let's bow with me in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, we thank you for what you do for us each and every day. And Lord, as I share this verses and, and this message of remembering, Lord, I pray that You will speak through me, that what I say will bring glory to You. And these things I ask in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. <laughs> Sheila uh, <clears throat> mentioned a verse a while ago saying that, uh, you know, not only being a hearer but a doer of the Word was very important. And that's been a verse that's in James one twenty-two. not the... Uh, <clears throat> focus verse that I wanted to share this morning, but it is a verse that I've been using probably for the last 25 or 30 years uh, as a member of the Gideons. They ask you to, to put a verse down that when they pray for you each day, that's the verse that they uh, lift up or that they read. And that's been an important verse to me in my walk with the Lord for a long time, uh, to not only be just a hearer of the Word, but to be a doer, that one that would uh, actually uh, put the Word to use in my daily life. And I've done that, I hope, in, in, a, in a many different ways, and God has enabled me through my teaching ministry and through uh, the Gideon's ministry and some other things that God has uh, been glorified through the work that I do and putting it into practice. You know, Sheila's um, talk with the kids this morning was really kind of, uh, uh, follows along sort of what I wanted to share with you. She talked about, uh, you know, making that perfect Sunday and, and then all of a sudden things got put on top of it that weren't uh, quite as nice as what we wanted to eat. You know, and I've been a, uh, for about 25 years I've worked in a, in a my restaurant at Shangri-La, and and, uh, I worked in the deep fries, and uh, I've probably cooked a whole pond full of chicken, and a whole chicken house or two full of, I'm sorry, a fish, there we go, a fish, and then I've also cooked probably a house full of, uh, a big chicken house full of chicken, and uh, I got to where I did that pretty well, I mean, people kept coming back, and and so that's something that I did. But, you know, just doing that or doing something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be okay unless I remember what I'm doing it for. Now, I can, I can get to where when you get busy and you have 50 or 60 or 75 or 100 people ready to have their, their dinner, you get kind of busy and you kind of get in this... This routine, and if you're not paying attention, maybe you'll send out some things that aren't really uh, what you would like to do. You know, you kind of send out a bad meal, and that can hurt someone. Uh, and I don't know that I did that. I probably sent out some things that maybe were a little overcooked, maybe a little undercooked, but I don't know of anyone that I actually heard. But you know, in serving the Lord, the Lord spoke to me about this verse of being just a doer. Who are you doing that for? Who are you doing the work that uh, you claim to be doing? And I, so I thought about that and... And it, he just showed me, I've, I've read that verse 122 on James hundreds of times. But sometimes I forget that verse and two verses that came after. And I'm using the King James Version here tonight or this afternoon because I think it kind of speaks to what I want it to speak. It says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he, he was. You know, sometimes we can get so busy doing or saying that we do. I come to Sunday school every Sunday. I teach a Sunday school class. I go and do my work with the Gideons. I go and do uh, volunteer work. But who am I doing it for? Why am I doing that? Sometimes I may forget the God that I'm doing that work for. And it really made me think about it because I've uh, I've been kind of stressed lately. We have a a state convention coming up for the Gideons that I'm in charge of and it is the weekend of the eclipse. (laughs) And you know, that's been a little stressful for me. But then God says, you know what? There's going to be a lot of people around, a lot of opportunities to witness. And what you're doing... Can glorify me if you remember why you're doing these things, and I think that's what I want to share today. You know, who is the God that we remember? Who is the God that we serve? Now, I love, the, and I'll say I love. I love all the Bible, but I really enjoy reading the Old Testament. Uh, To me, it speaks of real people and real situations who had real problems and how God helped them deal with those problems. But, you know, a lot of people look at the Old Testament and say, oh, that's that uh, vengeful God who is, uh, you know, it's just not the God that that I serve today. Well, let me read something to you here. It says, know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. That's from Deuteronomy 7.9. A thousand generations, that's a long time. However you count a generation, that's tens of thousands of years that you have a faithful, loving God Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Gee, I think we probably heard that. We think of Jesus when we think of that, don't we? That's just from that Bible uh, book called Leviticus. Leviticus 1918. That's that that's that book that, oh gosh, I can't read that. That's just kind of boring. But it's not. It's the same God who wrote, it says in Romans 5, eight. But God commendeth him His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the same God who says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A God who loved us so much that He was willing to send His Son, who created the world to come and die for us, that He might have a relationship with us. You know, I, we read stories in the Old Testament people. Everybody knows, I say everybody. If you've read much of the, of the Old Testament, you know the story of Noah. You've that Noah was a man who to God saw that was righteous and that uh, uh, through Noah, God rescued humanity. We know that story well. But you look at it from a different point of view. God says in this midst of humanity that was all evil, that had turned away from God, He saw Noah and his family. He recognized Noah and his family. You know, that kind of makes me feel pretty good today because I know that in this midst of the world we live in, and I don't think I would... Uh, be wrong in saying we live in a a world today that seems to be culturally going the other way from God. That we don't see God sometimes in, in what's going on in our world, in our politics, in our social interactions. But God sees you. He sees me. He sees those who are trying to be right. Who tried to follow his commandments. And Noah, you know, people say, oh, that was a vengeful God that destroyed, with the flood, all of humanity. But you know what? This didn't happen in a day or two. It happened over a period of time. I see a God that was patient, that God that even when Noah started building the ark, That people would have uh, probably thought, well, you know, you're just nuts for doing that. That he continued on and God gave an opportunity. Those who saw that, I'm sure Noah told them, hey, trouble's coming. You have time to change. I see a patient God, a, a God who is willing to listen to those who remember you know it used to drive me crazy about the the Jewish people and the stories uh, of when they came out of Egypt and, and the other stories where uh, God led them out and parted the Red Sea and they went to the other side, and then this didn't seem like it was very long. They forgot all about it. They didn't remember their story, but God was patient, but God led them through the desert. And it took a time, it took some time, but God was a loving God, and He was a patient God with them. And I realized that, you know, we're just like them sometimes. We get, uh, uh, I can come to Sunday school, and I can come to church, and I can, boy, I can be feeling good, and some Monday morning things start happening, and I can forget sometimes the God I serve because of what the world is doing around me. Now, I try not to do that. I've gotten better at that, I hope. You know, you think of another story in the Bible that everybody knows of, this, of the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, they, there was evil this, this, There was evil in these cities. The the people had turned away from God. They didn't uh, follow God. There was a lot of evil things happening. And, and God rained fire down on them. He destroyed these cities. But if you ever read Genesis 18... When the three men came and the Lord came to Abraham and was, was visiting in him and getting ready to leave, and he said to, the, to, the, to himself, should I tell Abraham what I'm going to do? And he shared with them that he was going, that he had heard of the things that were going on in this city. And Abraham said to him, well, are you going to destroy the righteous with the bad? What if there's 50 people in that city that are still good? And God says, from 50 people, I will relent. And so Abraham contended with God all the way through down to 10 people in this city. That God says, if there are 10, I will relent. Now, we don't know the time period in between here, but you know, again, we see a God who's patient, who's loving who's willing to wait for a thousand generations to redeem His people, to help them come back to Him. You know, the book of Judges, if you kids, people that use Google, you can Google the sin cycle of Judges and you'll see this nice little circle. (laughs) And it'll say... Israel follows the Lord, and then you go down here. It says Israel sins and begins to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, begin doing the things that of the world. You know, Israel lived in a place where, and there was a lot of pagan worship, and God says, "Don't get involved with that. Don't get involved." Just because everybody else says that's okay doesn't mean that it's okay for you. And you see that this cycle then that they would get into trouble and they, oftentimes the entire nation would be enslaved or be under the rule of a foreign country because they had forgotten the God, that they didn't remember the God that they served. And then they would start crying out and God would send a judge... Now, most of you know some of the judges. you probably know Samson, the one who could slay a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, strong you probably heard of Gideon, who the little guy that uh, was the least of his family and one of the least of the of the tribes of Israel. We take the Gideon ministry from him, and he took with three hundred men starting out God use those 300 men to rescue Israel, defeat an army of 180,000 Philistines. And they would come and they would restore their worship to God. And as long as the judge was alive, they would do well. And then the judge would pass away and it would seem like they'd go in that same cycle. The book of Judges is, is like that. They call it the sin cycle. But I heard a pastor share about that. He says, really, why don't we look at it in a negative way he said what we need to really call it is the redemption cycle because God was willing to wait on his people and he was willing to redeem those people whenever they turned back to him and so God would wait and he was patient and he would redeem his people you know that's what God's been doing since the very beginning he had a he had a plan when Adam and Eve sinned. When man decided they could do it better on their own. God had a plan to redeem his people. And all through the works of the Bible we see God's redemption plan. You know, there was a reason that God uh, told the Israelites not to make an image because the Baals, the people that served the Canaanites served the Baals. They had images, and they had—you uh, know—they had a lot of good things for, for people. They had prostitutes. That you know, if, you're, if you weren't growing crops good, you could go to the go to the pagan temple, and they had prostitution that would help your crops grow. They had all sorts of pagan things. They even had also uh, human sacrifices with children. God said in Exodus 24, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. And I think it's important that you remember that. Now, we think of jealousy usually negatively. Greg's got a new uh, big truck that's a big maroon truck. Boy, I wished I had one like that. That looks so good. And, you know, my old gray truck's beat up and everything. A little, it's older. I wished I had that. That's jealousy. And I could go out and buy one. I really can't afford it. Uh, But I could go buy one. That's being Jealous. But I have a grandson who I love dearly. And I'm jealous of him in the respect that I don't want him being involved with someone or anything that's going to hurt him. That little nine-year-old grandson is the light of my life at this point. Not the only, but he's, he's, he's up there. If you have grandchildren, you know what I'm talking about. If we could have had the grandchildren first instead of the kids, it'd be great. But I am jealous in the respect that I want the best for Him. I want good things for Him. And that's exactly what God is saying in this verse. I'm jealous because I know what's going to happen if you start worshiping these other gods. You're going to end up having to give one of your children as a sacrifice. You're going to end up being involved in things that's going to hurt you. You need to remember who I am and what I want for you. Jealousy in in terms of God is a good thing. You know it's <clears throat> it's through God that we have redemption. I I shared already that redemption is has been His purpose, Ephesians one seven says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. It's through Him. It's His free gift of grace. It's not anything we do. But He still expects us to recognize, understanding where that grace and that forgiveness comes from. Because if we think if we're just going to be a doer, we're okay, I'm doing this, and yeah, I'm doing it. It's not through the, the works that we do, but it's through the things that we do because of God that others see God's grace and His forgiveness and His redemption. You know, it's, it's interesting, uh, and if you read, I've been studying some of the Old Testament, the podcast that, that uh, Brother Bill shared with me, and, you know, God put Israel in the middle of everything. If you think about the Old Testament and where... The, the the kingdoms then, that little narrow strip of land where Israel was, was in the middle of everything. You had to get from one continent to the other. It was right through there. And i got news for you, it still is. If you read the paper today, it all still goes right through there. Uh, we know about the wars that are going on. We know that all of our energy or most of our energy comes through that narrow little part of land and those little narrow uh, seas that are there. And God did that for a purpose. God wanted His people right in the middle of, any, of everything so they could be alike to the rest of the world. He could have put them over here in a safe little place, in a corner over here and in, in that part of the world. That would be out of way. But that wasn't what God's plan was and it's not god's plan for us either i did a little message on the beatitudes a couple of times when i shared the message and part of that in verses 5 Matthew 5:14 5, and 15 says you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. We as a people, as Christians, are to be like a town on a hill, a city on a hill. We should be an example to the rest of the world. We as individuals... As men and as women in our household, we're to be a light to our families. We're to be a light to our church families, to our communities. God didn't put us over at the side. He didn't put us in this little building to stay here. We all know that the church is not this building. You're the church. You are the light. If you've accepted Christ and you remember what He did for you, then you are that light to go out into the world and to share with them. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Hopefully all of us know what those mean, that those are part of who we are as Christians, as who we are, as we remember who God is, who we serve. That's who we are. I did an assisted living this morning. We got a lady in there. She's 99. She'll be 100 in July. She just had a pacemaker put in. And, uh, I, you know, she, in order to, that's what they said to, for her to do. And she came back. She's been gone for about three or four weeks. And she was there this morning. And she says, I guess God still wants me here. And she had this little bracelet on, as from a missionary friend of hers. Uh, many of you know Lillian Shipman. If you know her, you know how bold she is. It says, "Give me the good, give me God's peace." It was something of that nature. God gives me peace. This little uh, bracelet. And she said, while I was in the hospital, and while I was around. All the nurses and people saw that little bracelet, and they all wanted one. Well, I gave them one. This mission, this, is, this lady's mission is to, to give out these little bracelets. She was being a light. People are seeking the peace that only God can give, the joy that only God can give, the goodness, the faith. That faith can be tough sometimes. We've just gone through a series of lessons uh, in our Sunday schools the senior adults about faith. Uh, It can be difficult at times. I'm one of those. I'm one of those that can be a worrier. You know, I can take something little bitty, and boy, I can make it big real quick. My wife over here going, "Yeah, he can." I've gotten better, but it's about faith and we trusting in God, remembering the God who I serve, that I know that things are going to be okay. You know, we're going to uh, and just. uh, couple of weeks or next month, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Some churches do it every Sunday, some do it more than us. We usually do it once a quarter. And all of us uh, know what the Lord's Supper is. We we take the bread, a little piece of bread, and we use it as a remembrance of, of Jesus' body, and we take the little grape juice that hopefully hadn't fermented this time like it was last time, but uh, we use that to remember the blood that He spilled for us. But I think it's, it's good to remember just a little bit. You know, there was a few years ago a, a movie that came out that was, was very controversial. It was called The Passion of the Christ. And part of that was who who promoted it. But it was a depiction of what Christ went through before He went to the cross. You know, the... The Romans just didn't give Him a little spanking or a few lashes and then send Him to the cross. They scourged Him. Now if you understand what scourging is, that is a whip, uh, several whips that have little pieces of lead or glass that's in it. Whatever it hits on your body, it rends and it tears. It will tear flesh off of your bone. It will tear whatever it hits off of your body. Christ went through that. And when He went to the cross, He was so worn that someone else had to carry the beam. And when He went to that cross, He had to sit on a cross with His hands out, struggling to breathe with His body broken and torn. That's what He did for us on that cross. But He did it. Because God remembers. He said, I will love you. I will take care of you for a thousand generations. And Christ knew what He was going to go through. He was the one who made the the commitment. It wasn't easy for for Him to do in His human form because He knew what He was going to face. And we need to remember not... Yes, we need to remember what He did physically, but we need to remember why He did it. Because He loved us, because He was faithful, and because He was jealous. He wanted the best for us. We don't have, in the United States at least, sacrifices of our children, but oftentimes we do because of our actions, because of the way we live sometimes. We put ourselves in danger. We put our children in danger. God is faithful. We need to remember who we serve. A faithful, loving God. A jealous God who wants nothing but the best for us. That's the message he was trying to share to me. Don't get so involved in the doing that you forget who you serve and who I was at the very beginning who I was today, and who I will be tomorrow. So I just give all praise to the Lord, the Lord who saved me. If you've never made that commitment to serve the Lord, I encourage you to take that opportunity today to go to the Lord. Ask Him into your life and remember what He did for you. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank You, Lord, that You bring into remembrance the things that You've done for us. Lord, that we don't forget who You are. That You are not the vengeful God that so many people want to share or say You are. That throughout history, from the very beginning, You have been a faithful, loving God who is jealous for us. We are Yours. And as Yours, You are jealous of each and every one of us. That You want the best for each of us. And Lord, You give us that opportunity through Jesus to make that commitment to serve You. To have the kind of life that You want for us. One of abundance. One of peace. One of joy. Lord, we give You praise and honor for that. Lord, as we close today, I pray that each one that goes out today will live according to You and remember who it is that they serve. And if there is one here today that doesn't know You, I do pray, Lord, that they'll make that commitment to You and will tell someone and become part of Your kingdom. Thank You, Lord, for all that You've done for us. And these things I ask, in Jesus' name, Amen.